set a table for us to crucify Jesus. No greater love than the bread of your body, than the wine of your blood.
could we forget after what we've experienced oh it's unforgettable it's unforgettable oh how could we forget after what we experienced oh up from the mud in the everybody praise the lord everybody come on let's just give the lord a round of applause this evening amen it's truly worthy to be praised amen 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 praise god we welcome everyone tonight to our thursday night bible study so glad to have everyone in the house of god to praise god amen and to be what the lord wants us to be in the hour that we're living in Amen. We uh, came out of a 24-hour, less than 24-hour, in fact, where we we had um, some history made with both on the weather side. And, you know, it's just a reminder that, you know, Christ is coming back again. I mean, so many times we take small things for granted. And um, we don't know or to what extreme or to what extent, in fact, it may go beyond. But, um... You know, while we were on the um, the the, uh, the call, the leadership call last night, Pastor was saying, um, you know, we, we have multiple, you know, lights all throughout different areas, and um, you know, one thing that I know, and I know for sure, that God has a way to protect those that are His. If you truly believe and know God for yourself, the Bible tells us He will never leave us nor forsake us. And there are times that we go through things in life when we are wondering, God, why me? But God, you know, is not going to give us more than we can bear. Amen. Amen. Um, you know, I, I was in Philadelphia today. And um, my, my, my navigator typically would take me the way it knows. But because I know the area so much, sometimes I don't follow the direction of my navigation. And, um, you know, I, I happen to be driving... Uh, close to the Schuylkill Express, which they, they're saying the last time we had something like this in the Philadelphia area, I think was in 1865, don't quote me, um, the last time that the, 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 the Schuylkill River ever overflowed. And the water from, you know, for those of us that travel the Vine Street Express, where 76 meets and go through the Vine Street Express, that's Broad Street, that takes you to 95, that entire area was flooded out. And I'm saying, oh my God, you know, and you got people that are trying to go through the water. But for me, you know, I, I, I had two more appointments when I get back to Jersey and I said, I'm not going to even try to make an attempt to even get to those appointments. You know, because, you know, knowing what God is doing in the hour that we're living in and trusting in God, you know, God is so awesome. So we're so glad that God helped us for those of us that are here through the storm Amen. In spite of what went on, you know, we are able to be successful. Amen. Some of us have low minor damage. Some of us have major damage. Some of us didn't have no issues whatsoever. But, uh, you know, there are a lot more that went through more than um, they can even imagine or think. So we're grateful. Amen. So we're going to invite you to stand with us tonight. We're going to pray and ask the Lord to have his way in our Bible study tonight. That he will open our hearts, open our mind, and that he will use the man of God, to bring forth the words tonight that will encourage us, that will remind us that the time that we're living is peculiar time. Amen. So let's just pray together. Father God, we love you. We thank you for uh, bringing us together in your presence one more time. 
For truly, God, in your presence there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Oh, God, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We thank you, Lord God, for all your goodness, all your mercies, and all your love. We thank you, Lord God, for bringing us in your presence one more time where we can worship you, Lord God, where we can call upon your name, Lord God. Father God, as we gather together tonight in your presence to lift up holy hands and to call upon your name, we ask you, dear God, that you may forgive us for every sins, O oh God, and that you will blot out every sins, wash every sins that we have committed in your sight. O oh God, help us, Lord God, to be whiter than snow, Lord God. Tonight as we pray, we ask you, Lord God, that you will create in us a clean heart and renew a right spirit within us, O oh God. We ask you tonight, Lord God, that you'll cast us not away from thy presence, Lord God, and take not thy Holy Spirit from us, O oh God. Truly, if there is ever a time we need you, we need you now, Lord God. As we pray tonight, we pray and ask you, Lord God, that you'll open our hearts, open our minds tonight, Lord God. We ask you, Lord God, that you'll bless and use our pastor like never before, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you'll help him, Lord God, to speak the word, preach the word, Lord God, that we need to live by in the hours and the time that we're living in, oh God. We ask you, Lord God, that you will bless our online congregation, open their minds and their, oh God, understanding tonight likewise. Oh God, we ask you, Lord God, to help us to be ready, Lord God, for in such a time when we think it not, oh God, you can put your appearance in. And truly, God, we ask you to help us to be ready, Lord God, as we pray tonight. We ask you to touch every person in the service tonight, Lord God. Those that are sick in their body, heal them completely and that they will be whole, oh God. Oh God, I pray for those that need, oh God, a financial breakthrough. I pray that you'll open up doors for them tonight, Lord God. Oh God, those that need a spiritual breakthrough, open up doors for us, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, for those who need a physical and emotional breakthrough, Lord God. You are the one that give it and take it. And Father God, as we pray for those that are less, oh God, fortunate tonight, Lord God. Those that were affected by it, oh God, the weather condition, Lord God. That they too will be comforted, oh God, tonight, Lord God. They will stay encouraged, oh God. They will continue to put their trust in you, Lord God. I pray and ask you, Lord God, you will help us, Lord God, to look to you from whence cometh our help. You are our way maker. You are our helper. You are the way, the truth, and the life. And we ask you tonight to have your way. Have your way among us, oh God. Let your will be done. We give you all the glory and all the honor as we worship and magnify your name. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And come on, church, let's just give the Lord a round of applause tonight. Let's just praise him tonight as we invite our pastor up in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Blessed be your name, Jesus. Blessed be your name, O great God. You alone are worthy of all the praises. You alone are to be magnified, to be worshipped, to be adored, O God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, somebody taste and see that the Lord, he's good. He's good. He's sweeter than the honey of the honeycomb. Ah, the Lord is our light and our salvation. Oh, we bless your name tonight, oh great God. Have your way, Jesus. Have your way, have your way. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
My God, my God. I feel his presence, church. I feel his presence. God is doing something in this hour. Amen. And if you don't believe he's doing something in this hour, I need you to go to him and say, God, why I don't feel like you're doing something. Oh, I've done that before. You know, you talk to people and they tell you, man, God is doing something great. And you feel like, man, I don't, I haven't, I don't know if I've experienced anything great recently. Then I go to God and say, well, God, what are they talking about that I don't know about? <laughs> what are they talking about? They say you're doing great things. I need to see it. I need to experience it. And so God is kind and gracious that when you go to him that kind of way, you can have good discussions, good conversations, and just let him talk to you about his will and his purpose. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to see everyone. Amen. Glad you made it out. Hallelujah. If you was out in the street at all, you can tell stuff is going on. Like something happened last night. I didn't realize how much had transpired last night. Um, <laughs> so I, I don't know, about 3.15, one of the firemen from here, um, well, he's no longer in this building, but his son uh, and my son, Jordan, have a, a tight relationship. So he said to um, Jordan, Jordan's friend said, um, they said it's going to be um, a, a, a tornado at about 518. I said, really? I said, yeah, um, that's what um, um, Captain McElroy said. I said, well, okay. And then, you know, the rain started coming down. I even went out in the streets about, you know, 430, 445. And um, not thinking that, you know, the, the, the whatever it was, the, you know, I don't know, <laughs> or tornado was going to be coming this way. And um, last night we had our leadership meeting. We laughed at Ethan a little bit because he lost power. And we were still going strong, and, you know, his service was breaking up, and we just like, you know, well, let's just keep it moving. So we didn't really get to experience anything major if you were living in this area. And then this morning we woke up and we're like, what just happened? And so that tornado had passed through and did major damage. I was talking to Brother Tom, and he was telling me about um, someone that he works with, family member. Their whole house just got destroyed. So apparently the tornado passed through that way. And I think, Brother Scarlett, it didn't pass that far from your house. It passed your house <laughs> a little, little, little ways down. So it's interesting how it, it just went through and did what it did. And, you know, here we are. So we still have our life, and we thank God for it. Amen. And for the people that have suffered loss, we'll keep them in our prayer because we want God to help them, and we want the will of God to be done in their life. And a lot of people, I mean, when they, when, when Ida was going crazy down in Louisiana, never thought she would make it this far and did this much damage. I just thought we was going to get some Ida rain. And before you know it, Ida was doing some damage up here too. Amen. But thank God for sparing us. And, you know, I always say, I always feel somewhat, you know, I've shared this with you when I say, you know, when stuff happened to other people, if they lose out, you know, you know, where they're no longer here with us, you know, I always say, man, why did God leave us here and took the ones that he took? And sometimes it's just life. But but I always take it as then he's he left me here because he has more work for me to do. Right. That's the only way I can really make sense out of it. Sometimes, you know, we're always 
trying to make sense, but we don't always make sense out of it. But the only way I could make sense out of why some of us, you know, lose our life in, in, in accidents and, you know, natural disasters and some don't, I just feel like, hey, you know, if you didn't, it, it's because God is still calling you to do some things here. And so you got to respond to that in that way. It's the only way to respond. Say, all right, God, you spared me. So just point me in the direction you want me to go. Teach me what you need me to know. Use me to do what you want me to do because it's, it's nothing special about me why I'm still here and some others are not here anymore. So don't ever fool yourself. Don't ever let the devil whisper in your ear and make you think that, you know, it's because you're somebody. That's why you're still here. And those people that left here, well, they weren't really anybody. Don't let the devil fool you like that. There's nothing special about you while you're still here other than God is not through with you. That's it. That's it. Because when your time is up, your time is up, and you will no longer be here. I will no longer be here. And so we just have to just appreciate that God is saying, all right, you're still here because I still have things for you to do. And what we need to do is look to God and say, point us, point us. That we will just go and do what you want us to do without hesitation. So we thank God for this privilege to serve him. The opportunity to continue to serve him. Amen. Hallelujah. So keep those folks in your prayer and their family members. Because um, you just just can't imagine. Um, you know, you hear about basements that's still. And, um, you know, just houses that were just ripped apart. Cars that just like just disappeared. You know, wow, wow, we're living in the last days. We're living in the last days. And all I can tell folks is don't be distracted. This is why tonight we're going to do our last lesson on our healthy life, because I'm more concerned about people being whole and people being right in their heart and their mind for Christ. That's what I'm more concerned about, because in my mind, all of this stuff is distraction. Um you know, all that we're experiencing, it's fine. Um, if you're living for God, I mean, you know, you hear me talk about this all the time. If we're living for God, listen, if God can get me while I'm at the top of my game, why not? You know, because salvation is not guaranteed. You have to live this thing through to the end. And so if you're, you know, Judas wasn't always on his game. I don't want to get caught not being in my, on my game and I lose out on eternal life. Because, you know, whatever just pulled me, pulled me to the left and here I go and miss out on eternal life. So when someone get out of here the right way, man, they're so much more better off than us that's here. Because you don't know what kind of temptation, you don't know what kind of situation that gets you angry that will make you step outside of God. So thank God that, you know, you're saved and continue to live saved. That if anything's, anything happened while you're here that you know that if God take you, you'll be fine. And that's what's important. Amen. Hallelujah. We have a gentleman walking around here tonight that don't don't let him distract you. He's just doing his thing. Amen. Ryan Trimble. Um, he's he's um, just an awesome young man. Awesome, awesome man. Um, I forgot what I told my wife the other day about you, Ryan. Oh, I told my wife the other day. I can't say this about too many men, but I say it about Ryan, and he's all man. But I said to my wife, I said, I can't say about too many men that I can call a sweet man. 
and it's really legit. See, y'all minds just, we're in Bible study. What is wrong with you all? I told my wife, Ryan is just a sweet guy. I mean, I know women say that about men, but I can say, I'm not worried about who I am. I know who I am. But, 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 and he's, you know, oh man, I mean, great guy, but he's just sweet. You know, you don't get like, like really, you know, clean, pure, really nice people. They just nice. You don't see that more so often anymore. And Ryan is just that kind of person, just a really sweet, nice guy. And so we have Ryan around, he's moving around. Um, for the video that you saw that you see almost every year when we, uh, do our Christmas for Christ, um, fundraising, um, Ryan is the one that produced that video. Um, he was the one that did all the interviews and everything like that. So he's going to help us with our stewardship campaign and producing another video. So he's here with us for the next three to three and a half days, four days, whatever you want to call it. And so he will take pictures. He will do what he wants to do. Just act like he's not here. Cause you know, I told him, I said, I, I, I just, just do whatever you want. Because if you notice the video, when it was starting, you saw somebody shaking a tambourine. And then you see the tambourine sitting on the back shelf, and he's taking all of these, uh, <laughs> these, these pictures and videos. I'm like, how do you think about doing that? I just leave him and let him be. So, so just don't, don't let him make you uncomfortable. Uh, just know that he's doing his thing, and one day you'll see the finished product. Um, but the good news about this, again, he's going to produce a fantastic video to help us with our stewardship campaign. So when we move to the next phase, which is our public launch, when we put it out there, people will know our intentions, what we're doing, what we're all about. So all of it hopefully will get captured so people know what we're about and why we're saying partner with us. The video will capture a good part of that. So that's it's going to be significant. And he shared with me earlier that I didn't think about. I'm sure some of the young people thought about it. And that is, you know, without saying a word, once you put this on social media, people will be sharing it. And so people will be seeing it and God can move on anybody's heart that sees it to say, I want to partner with them. They look like they're about something. And so it's going to really help us, and I look forward to it. So we thank Ryan for being here. He traveled all the way from Texas today. And um, when he was supposed to come in, I said to him, Newark or Philadelphia, doesn't matter to me. It's the same exact amount of time to get to either one. So whichever way you go, I'll get to you at the same time. It's the same distance away. And he chose Philadelphia. I say, thank you, Jesus, today, because Newark was underwater a little bit. <laughs> God is always in his business, you know, and so when he chose Philadelphia, he came right in, no really issues with the flight coming from Texas today, and I saw the picture this morning of Newark being underwater, I said, whoo, man, God, I'm glad you sent Ryan to Philadelphia, <laughs> amen, don't forget this Saturday morning at 8 a.m. is our prayer breakfast, come out and join us for prayer breakfast this Saturday morning, as we always do, we're going to pray together. And um, we'll get some um, breakfast. One of these days, we'll get some real breakfast. You know, one of these days. I don't know when because, you know. <laughs> but, you know, since you don't know when we're going to get real breakfast, just keep coming. And, and then because then, you don't want to miss out when the real breakfast comes. You're like, oh, you don't want to miss that. So keep coming. Prayer breakfast, 8 a.m. this Saturday morning. And um, we'll, we're just going to have a good time. And the Lord calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. We're going to turn our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1. Amen. Hallelujah. 
Hebrews chapter 6, verse number 1, the word of the Lord says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. And so we've been talking about our Healthy Life series, and we're, we're, we're teaching the Word of God for people to be whole, give you hope to let you know, because oftentimes, I must be honest, I've met many Christians that continue to live beneath the privilege of a Christian because they think that it's just the way it is. That's just kind of how it's going to be. And so you just settle. And you're going through your Christian walk settling. And you're in pain and you're hurting. You're distraught. Uh, uh, just all different things are happening. And you continue to tell yourself it's just part of the deal in living for God. But when you're living like that, you're not going to be effective for God. And when you're not effective for God, now you become frustrated with yourself. And the devil will have an easier way with you when you start to get frustrated and you start to guess, second guess yourself and wondering why is this this way and why isn't it better? And I hear them talking about, you know, God promised us, you know, abundant life. And, you know, you hear all this pretty teaching and preaching and you're saying, but I'm not experiencing it. Why am I not experiencing it? And a lot of times the answer simply is because we're not whole, we're not healthy. And yes, I know God can use us whichever way he wants to. But I know this for sure. God don't want to just be using you and you're not really doing well spiritually and you're going to be used, but you're going to miss out on eternal life. That is not the will of God. It's not the will of God that you are used mightily. Oh, you know, I lay hands on the sick and they recover. It's not the will of God that, 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 that you preach a great message and, and, and you can pray better than anybody else, but you miss out on eternal life. That's not the will of God. That's not the will of God. So we should not settle to just think that, okay, because we're struggling, because, you know, it's difficult, you know, it's just the way it is living for God and the devil is on your case and things like that. Yeah, that's all true. But it's still the will of God that you are whole, that you are healthy, and that you will live your life in a way that will, that will help others see Christ and not just you struggling the whole time. So that's why we've been talking about this healthy life and becoming healthy and whole in Christ. We want to be healthy and whole. When we're not healthy and whole, we latch on to all different sort of things. And, of course, you know, something that, that I'm passionate about is all of the different conversations that are going on in our world. And, you know, people taking different sides about different things that are going on in our world. Uh, uh, we, 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 we get pulled in by it when we are not healthy, right? Because now we're straight off emotion. 
When you're not spiritually healthy, it's your emotion that guides you. In other words, your flesh guides you when you're not healthy spiritually. And so when you're healthy spiritually, you can you can have emotions that pull you to different things. But you will always do what you have to do according to the word of God when you're healthy spiritually. And I, 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 I am not telling you I'm at the pinnacle of my spiritual health and well-being. But what I am telling you is I've experienced over the past couple of years, I've experienced uh, where my emotions are pulling me one way. But I can look and say, I cannot respond by my emotions. I must respond according to the word of God and the spirit of God, regardless of how my emotion pull me. So that is very important for us when we are spiritually healthy, is that we can say the things of God, believe the things of God, and live out the things of God, and not you know, allow your emotions to guide and control your response to every situation. That is very important because the way our society is right now with, uh, you know, politics and, 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 and even with our government, all the things that are going on, the way how society is right now, it's very easy for us to be pulled one way or another emotionally if we're not healthy spiritually. And I, I've seen it. I've seen it where, you know, um, I'll go as far as to say this. this. This might shake you up a little bit. When you're spiritually healthy, you don't vote for parties. You vote for people. Y'all don't like that. Y'all don't like that. When you're spiritually healthy. Because I'm not going to be loyal to somebody that don't see the way my Jesus sees. So when you vote for parties, you're voting all the time for whatever that leadership represents. But I can be, listen, I'm just saying, for example, if I believe in a, spe- in a specific party and they're saying this and saying that and saying that, why am I going to still vote for them? Now, none of them are completely right. So let's not, none of them are completely right. But what you got to, what you got to stand up for is the ones that, uh, will we'll try to fulfill the things that are biblical. And that's across the board. It doesn't matter who it is. So, so I, I'm, not, I'm not committed to any party. None. That's who I'm committed to. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That is who I'm committed to. And I will do what he directs me to do, not what the majority says or not what my culture says or what not what some other culture says. I am going to do what God says to do. When you're spiritually healthy, you can handle that. If you feel a little uncomfortable right now, let's get into the word of God. <laughs> so I'm going to talk to you tonight about becoming mature. You may be seated. Becoming mature. So listen to this. The roles God established when he created humans. I'm going to give you the roles that God created when he established, he created, I should say, humans. So when God created humans, obviously the intelligent ones on, you know, that exist, obviously God, because he always existed, but now humans exist, okay? And so here is how God designed for things to be. You have God on one side, you have humans on the next side. Here is the deal. 
God is the, this is how God designed and established for how we're supposed to be. God is the source and humans depend on God. God is the creator and we are the creation and cannot exist ourselves. God has control of the world. We have control of ourselves. God was the judge of life. We are to experience life. God designed the rules for life. We obey the rules and live the life God designed. That's the way God established things to be. However, when we sinned and the fall took place in the garden, we changed the roles. We did. God never changed it. Because what the Bible says, God changed not. And so we change it. Here is what we change it to. We are the source. We depend on ourselves. We are the creator. We exist unto ourselves. We have control of the world. We try to control our world and each other. We become the judge of life. We judge ourselves and each other. So if you want to know why we're having problems today, it's because we decided to reject God's order and accept or establish our own order. And we are just stubborn, stubborn to realize that we are not operating the way God established the order to be, and we're losing. For instance, I said just now driving here, I said, you would think we would be intelligent enough to realize all the creator has to do is allow some natural disaster to flow through here, and we realize how just powerless we are. That's all he has to do. All the creator has to do is say, all right, let's let this hurricane pass through. All right, let's let this, um, this, this tornado pass through. All right, and he can just let these things pass through, and we just become powerless and look at us. And that still don't make us stop and say, you know what? I need to find out if there's a God. And I need to find out what kind of uh, God he is and what he's up to. Because right now, I realize I'm powerless and I don't like to feel powerless. So, I'll even, I'll share something personal with you. So, I have to take blood pressure medicine. I don't like it. I hate it. I don't like medicine at all. But here's my problem with it. When you take it enough, your body become uh, dependent on it. And when you decide, I don't want to take it, you can feel within your body something is off. And the other day, I had a situation where, I don't know, they give you a certain amount of portion to say, this lasts you for this amount of time. And so the time that they told me it will last me for, it didn't. So either I lost it or they didn't give me the right amount and I didn't pay attention. 
So now I go to get refilled, and they said, oh, can't do that for you. Too early. So I stop and I said, okay. Now I'm getting mad. I says, okay. So these medicines are supposed to be to, to preserve life. And now you're telling me this. So what you want me to do? Just stop taking them until it just get high and I die. Talk to me. Everybody get quiet. I was mad. I'm like, talk to me. Then I call the doctor. You don't get to talk to him directly. You got to talk to somebody. I'll pass the message on to the doctor. So depending on when he get around to try to make it happen, you out. But but they they tell you all the time, oh, you got to make sure you're taking your blood pressure because it's the silent killer. Don't get me started about that. And I made up in my mind, I said, you know what? I'm not crazy, so I can't do it immediately. But I'm going to be done with those things because I'm not letting any. The only person that I've controlled in my life like that is Jesus. Ain't no medicine, ain't no doctor, ain't no situation that I want to have control over my life like that. I am not telling you, don't get me wrong, that you don't take your meds. You take your meds and do what you got to do. I just had a problem with the way the system started working. And it's, I, I felt like you got control over my life. No, no, I don't, I don't approve of that. And so I decide that, God, you're going to have to help me to not go down this road. I want to be, I want to be off those things because I don't want nobody to have control. It took all of that to make me realize that they got a little control over my life. And if they, and if, if whatever, whether it's the system not working right or they can't get to the doctor or CVS can't give you what they got to give you. I even got so mad. I said, I'm not dealing with CVS no more. I'm going to Walgreens. Because my point is, why would you play with the pe- people's medication if they, if they really need that? But, of course, they got to worry about, you know, people get them and sell them. All this stupid stuff that we got. I just, I, listen. Listen. This world don't impress me. It might impress you that you still want to live here. It's not impressing me. I, I'm not interested in being here a whole long time. It don't impress me. Too many things going on that I'm just like, this is ridiculous. This is not what God created this world to be. It's off kiltered. It's not working right the way God created it to be. So it's not impressive, and I don't plan to be here long. In redemption, we come back to God as the source of life. Did I miss something? You all, you all don't want me to bring up Ryan to talk to y'all tonight. Because I'll bring Ryan up and talk to you tonight. So, Ryan not looking for your sympathies. Don't, don't, don't go give him, giving him sympathy. But we all have experienced some really crazy stuff recently. Ryan just lost his brother. And his brother, I call Ryan sweet. His brother might be sweeter. Y'all know what I say that when I say that about the Trimble family. Just trust me on it. Just, just trust me. And his brother was just this awesome, awesome guy, and everybody loved him across our fellowship. He's just wonderful, and we knew he was sick, and we kept believing God that he would heal him because in our mind, man, man, God, we want, we, we, we want Anthony. His name is Anthony. We want Anthony to stay around, blah, blah, blah. And, and you know, we all praying. Ryan is praying. His family's praying. We're all praying across our organization. But God didn't keep him here. And so Ryan will tell you in a second. 
I miss my brother. I miss my brother. And that's tough because that's your ace and you're always with him. You spend time together. They had a real tight, tight, tight relationship. So he missed his brother. But through just understanding and just praying and being with God, he realized it's better for him. But, you know, a little bit of selfishness say I miss him. So I get what you all are saying, but I'm just I'm just I'm just telling you if God this is what I said to him today as we were talking. If God take me while I don't want to leave while my children is young because I want to give them as much guidance as I can. But if God take me while they're young, he is sovereign and he will take care of them. That's how my mind works. So as much as you all say, but pastor, guess what? If he take me, he will take care of this church. I'm just saying, I know that's hard talk, but you notice I've been saying stuff like this a lot because I'm trying to get you to understand that as well. The day we start living in this world like this, say whatever, we will do God's will. But as long as we clutch in our hands like this, worrying about hanging on in this world, we're going to miss out on some things God wants to do in our life. I'm telling you that. And I'm getting to that place where I want God's will to be done in my life so much that I am not holding on to anything in this world. Because eternity, this world will not have anything to do with eternity. This world will one day pass away. So I'm not holding on to it. I'm done with it. As long as people here, I'll do what I can. I love you all. I love people. I love lost souls. I want to reach them. So as long as you're here, I'm going to do whatever I can to reach you. But when my time is up, don't cry for me. Have a Holy Ghost party. In redemption, we come back to God as the source of life. We retreat from our independence from him and our attempt to be self-made. This is in redemption. We see that to make life work, we must turn to the one who makes life work. So if you think you can live a good life, if you think life is going to work for you, it will not work the way it's supposed to work without the life giver, without the one who designed life. So if we're not connected with Jesus, we're going to live our life in frustration and disappointment. In redemption, we find that God will be the source of healing, restoration, growth, and maturity if we will turn to him. So we have to make sure that we need to turn to Jesus for everything that we need, for healing, for restoration, in our growth, in, in maturity. We got to make sure we turn to God for all of those things. That's what makes redemption so sweet and redemption so special. It's because without Christ, we're not growing. Without Christ, there are wounds that, that need to be healed. Without Christ, we are just run down and, and, and we're not functioning as we ought to. And without Christ, we're not growing and maturing. But we can deceive ourselves in, in thinking that we are. Matthew chapter 5 verse number 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So the bottom line is, until you can come to a place of realizing that, you know what? I am nothing. I am poor in spirit. Nothing has happened in my life. Guess what? Until we come to realize that, guess what? We will be poor and stay poor. 
But when you are poor in spirit and you realize you are, guess what? When you get connected to Jesus, that's when now you start to get some spirit flowing into your life and you no longer are poor in spirit. Hmm. Redemption will take place in us when we realize we are poor in spirit and we reach out to God for his help. As long as we continue to live how we want to live, what we're saying is, I'm okay. That's what every person that decides to live their own way is saying without saying it. I'm okay. I've knocked on many doors to share the gospel, and they, they closed the door. They said, we're okay, and they closed the door. I've knocked on many doors, and they, they would say, we're Catholic, and they closed the door. So when you don't want to hear this gospel, what you're saying is, you're okay. And I know that nobody's okay disconnected from the giver of life. No one. But we tell ourselves, we're okay. When we realize that God is the source, we realize that we are impoverished. And this puts us into position to receive from him. You will not try to receive. The other day I went to preach with Brother Evanson. I told you that, right? And I do what I normally do here. And I went and I had a $20 bill and Brother Evanson matched me with his 20. And I put a 20 here and a 20 there. And I asked in the audience, I said, who does not have the Holy Ghost in here tonight? And two men, two gentlemen raised their hand. And I said, okay, no problem. I said, you want to know how easy it is to receive the Holy Ghost? I said, give me a minute. And I went on and went on. Then after a second, I said, you two that don't have the Holy Ghost, you, sir, I have 20 bucks here. No strings attached. I am not kidding you. I'm not trying to tease you. This $20 is yours whenever you want it. All you have to do is just come and get it. And I said the same thing. To the, all you got to do is come in. It's yours. And I went on and started preaching. And the $20 was still sitting there. Then finally, the guy over here got up, came and got his. I said, have a blessed evening. And he went back. And so the other guy's wondering, what's this catch? What is the catch? So I said, there's no catch. So later on in the middle of me preaching, I told him, anytime you want to come, just come middle of me preaching. He came. I said, God bless you. And they stopped. I said, that's how simple it is to receive from God. The issue is not God wanting to give. The issue is us going to get it. And oftentimes we don't go and receive because we say, I'm okay. So when you never go to receive, what you're saying is, I'm okay. Because God says, in the last days, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So he's pouring out. So what you're saying is, I'm okay. Because he wants to give it to you. And if you don't do something to receive what he has for you, you won't get it. Because God has principles. You know, me and you, we, we. We, we can get to the place where we, I don't know, God will have to explain this to us when we get to heaven, but we, we, we break our rules of principle sometimes uh, because we feel bad. And God knows better than us. He knows I have to do it this way to help you. And I cannot do it any other way for you to be helped. And so God hold his ground and let us follow the way he says because he cannot lie and whatever he says it shall have, it will and shall come to pass so he can't go and go change something up because he already established what it is you and i we say something we said oh well maybe i just need to just 
and we compromise what we should not compromise. But in God's case, whatever he says, that's what it is. He's not compromising it. And so if God says, thus, thus, that's what he's going to do. And sometimes we hurt people by when they don't do it the way they're supposed to, we try to fix it so we can entice them to do it. But what we're doing is we're compromising the behavior and they can't receive what they're really supposed to receive. We need to get back to the creative order. To return to the creative order means to get back into relationship with God and with each other. Not only did we mess up creative order with God, that was so obvious, but I told you we also messed up creative order with each other because we start living in homes with fences high. We start living in homes with garages. So we hit the button, the automatic button, the garage is going up when you're a half mile from the house. The door is going up. Then you pull right into the driveway and into the garage, door go down. You never saw your neighbor. You had never had no conversation with them. So as we've been living, we've been cutting ourselves off from each other. And even in the home, we've cut ourselves off from each other. Everybody's looking at their screen or everybody's working or whatever. So we've cut ourselves off when, when the only way we can bring back the order or get back to the order is God and each other. And even some of us that might consider ourselves spiritually well, we have God, but we're not having each other because we don't have each other in our life enough. If we can just love God and love each other, how different would our world be today? All of what we're struggling with, all of what's going on in our world today, it really comes down to something simple. Loving God and loving each other. And so we're not doing neither for most of our world and we're complaining about what's wrong. People like to take shots. If God is who he says he is, then why is this happening? And we never stop to say, well, if you're supposed to be who you're supposed to be, then we wouldn't be having this. See how quick we want to pass off to God? It's God's fault instead of just saying, well, what am I doing? And what is everybody else doing? We're not saying that. We want to pass it off on God. But the bottom line is, if if 95% of our world was loving God and loving each other, do you think we will be struggling with what we're struggling with? We won't take responsibility because I'm good. The Bible clearly represents or presents a process for pursuing spiritual maturity. It refers to the process in different ways, such as sanctification, being progressively set apart for God's use, transformation, being changed from the inside out. At heart, the idea is that we are designed to become increasingly more of who Jesus created us to be. That's what maturity really is, is becoming more and more who Jesus created you to be. Not who you think you should be, not who you want to be, but becoming more and more who Jesus created you to be. That's maturity at, at, at its basic, or basis. Spiritual maturity is hard and painful and a lot of work, but it's absolutely necessary. In 2 Timothy 3.16, the word of God says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, 
for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All scripture is given for teaching, conviction, correction, or straightening up. Correction and straightening up is the same thing, straightening up again, and for training in righteousness. Which literally mean righteousness, upright. When used in growth context, it refers to us becoming a godly, mature, and upright people. When we're talking about being godly, we're talking about godly. I'm sorry, when we're talking about righteousness, we're talking about being godly, mature, and upright. We are to learn to turn from evil and to good. It produces the fruit of wise and sound judgment. It involves a deepening and a maturing. Listen to this action item that I have for you tonight, some work that you can do. Explore how you have related to the Bible in your life. Have you seen it, the Bible that is, as being about religion and not the rest of your life? So you just turn it on and turn it off. You clock in or you clock out. Or have you experienced it as a book of prohibition to deprive you? Not going to church be no Christian because you can't do this and you can't do that. I'm not getting in no ministry because when you get in ministry, they want you to be this and they want you to be that. That's what y'all think. But that's how you see the Bible. Begin to look at the Bible as bringing life, natural and spiritual, and light to your soul. The Bible is not just a book for religious people. It's not just a book for us to say, okay, you know, this is how we're supposed to behave when we meet in the building. This is, these are the things we're supposed to do when we live our life. But, but the Bible is the book for everything of your life. It's for everything. It's for everything. It's not just spiritual, but it's also in the natural, because as we know, God established the natural so we can have understanding of the spiritual. So the Bible covers everything about life. We know the natural teaches us about the spiritual. Ever heard the phrase, no pain? Woo, you heard it before. To become mature, it will be painful at times because no pain, no gain. Do you know the pain or that pain can bring about health? We tend to, the nurses can agree with me, we tend to relate the pain as bad. When you start feeling pain, oh my goodness, you know, we start thinking bad things are happening. But as a nurse back there told me one time, Pain gives you a signal as to check some things out. If you don't feel pain, then things could be wrong in your body and you'll never know. But when you start to feel pain, it makes you start checking what's going on here, right? So we equate pain many times to something bad, but pain is not always bad. As we go through the pain of exercising our bodies, lifting weights or something, we gain strength. And good things happen. But there's something else at work. Physiologists tell us there is a reason we are sore after we lift weights. 
We are sore because we have worked our muscles past their ability. We have stretched their capacity. After our workout, our muscles recreate and rejuvenate and grow back to a higher level of development than what they were before. So when you go and lift weights and you work out a little bit, you're feeling pain. But you're actually doing your muscles some favor. You're actually doing your body a favor by exercising your body. You're stretching it. And you might feel uncomfortable for a moment there. <laughs> tell my wife, tell, tell, tell my wife um, secrets. You know, she, she started getting her walk back on a little bit the other, since the other day. She come home. She said, why do it feel a little painful right here? I said, I guarantee you was walking a certain way. She was like, yeah. I said, mm-hmm. So she was stretching those muscles that it wasn't being stretched like they wanted to. So she started feeling some pain. But it's a good thing. When you start stretching those muscles, it's a good thing. Somebody say amen. We tear down to rebuild. <laughs> we don't want to experience that, though. And through the process of pain, growth happens. Through the process of pain, growth happens. We don't like pain, but I guarantee you, especially if you're a child of God, when you experience pain, it will cause growth to take place in your life. Don't despise the pain sometimes you experience as a child of God. We have to stop and say, Lord, why am I experiencing this pain? What needed to be changed in my life? What do I need to be stronger with? I'm experiencing pain, Lord. Why? Will you help me to understand why I'm experiencing this pain? You may not like pain, but pain is good. Just as we stretch our muscles to make them stronger, God stretches our soul to grow them into something stronger and better. Sometimes God literally wound and heal. Yeah, you're quiet. I'll say that again. Sometimes God literally will wound you and then heal you. Sometimes God literally do something to wound you. Because he's going to heal you and something will help you in the process once it's completed. We don't want to think that God will wound us to heal us. Oh, God loves me. If you put some strap, some leather to your children's hiney, you don't love them? That's why you're doing it? Or do you love them and you put some strap to them and so you can get them to understand some things? So why when God puts some strap to you, he don't, like, he don't love you? That's how we do. God puts some strap to us and we think, oh, God, I thought you loved me. Certain suffering tears down aspects of our character that need to be torn down and builds up new aspects that we need in order to live as God designed us to live. So sometimes when we have a flaw, something not working right in our life, and, and God used the preacher to preach it to you, and God used the evangelist to come and preach it to you, and God uses one of the brothers and sisters in the church to help you with it, and God touches you when you pray in the morning, and you still don't respond the way he wants to, then he says, all right, I'm going to have to use a little bit of force here. 
I'm going to have to bring some pain in the equation. I'm going to have to allow some suffering because I try to work with you in a nice, gentle way, but that didn't get you to change that character. So guess what? It's time to experience some pain. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so suffering and pain can be good. It can take us to places where one more season of comfort will never take us. Suffering and pain will take us to places where one more season of feeling good and having comfort can never take you. Ask Job. God pointed Job out as an example of righteousness. And then God allowed him to experience pain and suffering for his purpose. Also, Jesus experienced pain and suffering that led to the fulfillment of his purpose on earth. You forgot about that? You forgot that Jesus experienced pain? But there was a purpose. It wasn't for him to get better because he was perfect. <laughs> but it was for the will of God to be done. And it's the same thing with you when you experience pain. It's for the will of God to be done. It's not because God is being mean. Not because God wants you to hurt. It's because he's trying to make you who he created you to be. Pain and suffering helps us become mature. Let me tell you this, in case you don't know. Every one of us is wired for grief, to deal with grief. Why? Because God knew that we will always experience grief in this life. There will always come a time where you and I will experience grief. So God had prepared you and I, wired us the way we need to be wired, that we will be able to handle grief, to be able to handle suffering. So don't you think that God is being mean? He has already equipped you to handle whatever he's allowing to happen to you. As Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. But he went on to say, but don't worry about it. I have overcome the world and you will too. Grief is a reality in everyone's life, but so is healing and restoration. Healing and restoration is a part of all of our lives. I know we have grief, but healing and restoration is available because the healer is in the house. The healer is still on the throne. The healer is our God and his name is Jesus. The healer is available and well and he is ready to heal. But sometimes he got to inflict some pain. Sometimes he got to inflict some suffering. Sometimes he got to do some things in our life to help us to grow and to become mature. Listen, we turn to God for many things and God will help us with many things that we turn to him for. Something I've learned about the Lord is that God often only gives us things we are mature to handle. And a lot of times we're desiring things from God and God is, if he can just scream out to you and say, son, I love you, daughter, I love you, and I want to give you that, but you cannot handle it. 
That's why it didn't happen. And I know we don't like to see ourselves as can't doing can't do something. But the bottom line is there are things that you can't do. There's things I can't do. And God knows it. The one that is all perfect, the one who created you, he knows what you can and can't handle. That's why we go around saying the Lord will never put more on me than I can. Because he knows you intimately, everything about you. And so sometimes God will rather help you become mature and healthy and heal you as opposed to give you everything you ask for him, that you ask from him. We're, we're praying all the time. By the way, you've heard me talk about this before. When we are not mature enough, we're always asking God for stuff. Like Jordan keeps asking me for stuff and I just ignore him. All he does is ask me for stuff. That's immaturity when you keep asking for stuff. When you get mature, immature person always asking, what can I have? Give me, give me, give me. A mature person says, what can I do to help you? Oh, Lord, y'all got quiet on that. A mature person is always looking to see how they can help others. An immature person is always looking to see what you can, they can get from you. You got that? So, if you're always looking to see, got to get something from that. Then understand you've got a lot of maturing to do. The good news is God wants you to be mature. That's the good news. So if you're not mature to the place where God wants you to be, he will help you to get there if you want to. All right, let me finish up here. So back when we read Hebrews 6 and 1, we'll read it again. It says, therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Verse 2 had said of the doctrine of baptisms and of laying on of hands and of resurrection of the dead and of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. The writer of Hebrew exhorted his readers to become spiritually mature by learning to distinguish between good and evil. When you cannot distinguish between good and evil, you still have some maturing to do. God wants you mature. Mature Christians move from the elementary teachings of the things that we just mentioned, and I'll mention them again to you, which I will call for sake of what the Bible calls it, when you are mature, you move from elementary teaching, which is like milk, to the substantial teaching of righteousness, which is solid food, meat. So when you start to eat meat, you have become mature or you're maturing. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 13 says, For everyone that useth milk, is unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he is a babe, but strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. I think why apostolic people, you, you don't find a lot of apostolic vegetarians.
They don't find a lot of apostolic because I think they read this scripture and they're like, man, I'm a real mature Christian. Give me some strong meat. You know, we take it to the extreme. Like, if I don't eat meat, it means I'm a babe. I, I can't remember if, I, if I've had any um, apostolic friends that, um, that, that are vegetarians. I don't, I don't remember that. Oh, my bad. Sister Crystal listening and Isaiah. Crystal, not a vegetarian. She's just faking a funk. She came out of that. She done with it. She eating real oxtail now. I could not believe when those folks posted some um, meat that they said is um, oxtail, vegetarian oxtail. I said, that is not godly. That is ungodly that you think you can have oxtail that is vegetarian. So Isaiah's still the one trying to hang in there talking about vegetarian, huh? We got it. Vegan. He vegan. Yeah, we got to get him saved. We got to get him saved. You know, because apostolics eat meat. Meat. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. After the foundation of after the foundation of a building is established. We must now build on top of that foundation. The foundation will always be a part of the building, but the foundation is not the building. The foundation will always be a part of the building, but the foundation is not the building. Oftentimes, many Christians are trying to live just on the foundation, and God is saying, no, that's the beginning. That's where you start. We need a whole structure here, so we got to move on to some other things. And so the Bible is teaching us, as we read, yeah, foundation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. Foundation is repentance. Foundation is faith. Foundation is baptism. Foundation is laying of the hands. Foundation is the resurrection of the dead. We should know that. Foundation is understanding eternal judgment. Those are foundational things that when you get saved and you begin to get discipled and learn, those are foundational things. But there are not supposed to be the things that you just keep repeating and you never add to, you never grow. Somebody say amen. To become mature, we have to keep building or keep growing, if you will. When you are, or any one of us, when we're a kid, we learn our ABCs so that we might read words. So that we will be able to formulate sentences. So we will eventually learn how to read a book. I watched that process, boy. I forgot how the process worked with my two older boys. I don't remember how that worked. I don't even know what, I don't even remember school with them. My goodness. Too much was going on. And now these ones, I'm watching them. I watched them from bye, 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 couldn't talk, to now reading books. The other day, my baby took an exam to see if she was going to be gifted and talented. That's how, this, that's how I watched the whole transition. I'm like, oh, so I know what it means to learn to, you know, ABCs and begin to formulate words and then sentences and able to read books now. Man, I got kids at early age that's reading books. When I was your age, I wasn't reading no book. I wasn't reading no book when I was their age. No, I wasn't reading no book when I was their age. 
I just read whatever I had to read in school. But I didn't, I didn't, you know, have books. They got books, stacks of books that they've read. I'm like, man, the world has changed. The point is we have to keep learning. We don't stay at our ABCs. So if we don't stay at our ABCs, we should not just stay at revelation of Christ and baptism and laying hands and judgment and faith. We can't stay in those places continuously. We have to start growing so we can get to maturity. Hebrews 6 and 3 says this, and this will we do if God permits. So we ought to aspire to, to become mature and hear this. Growth and maturity, you have to do your part and God has to do his part. You don't get mature just on your own. No, you have to do your part and God will do his part. And so we're going to get healthy and whole and become mature as a Christian. We have to do our part. It is God who enables us to progress as we yield to him, mm-hmm. as we receive his word and we begin to act on his word. We can't just be hearers of the word. We have to be hearers and doers of the word of God. That's how we're going to grow and be mature. He grows, a baby that is, grows as he eats, sleeps, exercise and permits his body or her body to function nature as ordained by god carries the baby along day after day and gradually that baby matures into an adult it is not normal for christians or it's it's normal for christians to grow it is not abnormal so if we're not growing that's abnormal amen Ryan, remember coming here to shoot, shoot the Christmas for Christ video. And he says, are the folks still there? I said, yeah. He said, they've grown. They've grown. They're still here. They've grown. And so if we're going to become mature, we have to grow. Mature. Mature. Means we know everything. They're going to learn how to serve the Lord and stop telling me what to do. It's always the people that's not doing God's will that's telling you how to do God's will. Maybe they'll start doing God's will and then, you know. (laughs) Healthy life, becoming mature. If we're going to become what God wants us to become, we have to obey his word and act on his word. There's going to be pain involved. There's going to be challenges. But God will even get to the point of tearing down and building back up just to make us into what he designed us to be. It is not God's will that we stay where we are spiritually, emotionally, mentally. It's God's will that we grow. I believe that if we grow in God, we will really be effective in reaching the loss. I say this all the time. I say this all the time, all the time. When someone that knew you 
before you were saved if you weren't born and raised up in the church like some of you are. But for you that weren't always in the church and you got saved and went to the church, when someone see you today, do they see you and they want to become a Christian now that they see you? Ask yourself that. That when they see you now, understanding where you used to be, and they, do you think they want to become a Christian when they now see you? This is what the Bible talks about. Let your light shine. And so do they want to become a Christian? Do they want to live for God? I want people to look at my life and say, my goodness, if that's how God doing him, I want God too. That's how I think. That's how I think we need to think about how we represent God, that we live for God so good that the people around us that's not living for God will look at us and say, whatever you're doing, I'm going to do. Because you know how we are. We want to we, we, we want to get ahead. So if we look and we see somebody getting ahead. We say, oh, whatever you're doing, I'm going to do it. And so when people look at our life, I'm not saying for you to do something outlandish. I'm not saying you need to be doing something worldly. That's not what I'm saying. But God will work in our lives in a, in a way that will make others that's not living for God look at your life and say, what are you doing? Because I want what you got. Whatever it is that you have, it's working for you. Sometimes they even get to the place and they say, whatever you have is working for you. I don't know if it'll work for me, but that's conversation piece. Now you can say, yes, it can, because God is no respecter of person. If he do it for me, he can do it for you. But the question is, are we growing and becoming mature to the point where God can show us off? For others to say, you've got something, and I want it too. And you can say, come to church with me. That's where it started for me. Come to church with me. And who knows, God will do some great things in your life. And you might even look at your life better than mine by the time God gets through with you. You can put that in there. Because we know how God is. And so God might do something in your life that will blow your mind. You look at me like, oh, that wasn't even nothing. Look at me now. Look at me now. But that's how we got to live this word, man. This, that's how we got to live for God is for people to look in on us and say, whatever you're doing, I want to do it too because it's working for you. However you're living your life, it's been good for you and I want it good for me too. Trust me, you live for God and people are always going to think you're younger than what you look like. Always. Because the light is turned on. The Holy Ghost is turned on in your life. And they're looking like, my goodness, what's going on with you? Because God preserves you when you live for God. And people will see it. And they will want to live for God too. So we got to do it the way God wants us to do it. Let's stand. We're going to go before the Lord before we dismiss tonight. Becoming mature. We have to grow up. And become who God wants us to become. Next week, we'll change our series and we'll get into some other stuff. I'll tell you about it next week. But it'll be good stuff for you. And God is going to continue to help us. Amen. Lawrence, good to see you tonight. <laughs> Lawrence, good to see you. You brought Chuby or Chuby brought you? You did? Okay. All right. Did, you didn't talk to Florence on the phone today at all or anything? Okay. I'm giving Florence the credit for you being there. <laughs> whether, it's, whether it's that way or not I'm giving Florence the credit you know 
Lawrence, get, Lord, all right, for the past, over the past, and don't give me any excuse, over the past three months, who has made it Thursday nights more? You or Florence? Okay. All right. So that's why I'm giving Florence the credit. You, you, at least you, you, you told the truth. Florence, Florence is here more than you. All right. <laughs> Florence taking care of her little brother or, or big brother. <laughs> I love y'all. Both of y'all. I appreciate y'all. Thank y'all. God is good. Amen. Y'all good tonight? Amen. Yes. You're good. Don't forget um, Saturday morning. Okay. We're going to pray. Seek God. <laughs> Woo-wee. Yes, yes, yes. Jordan, y'all right back there? Monroe. Monroe. You okay, Jordan? I got something for you at the church. Just hang around. I hope I still got it. Got something for you, okay? Yeah, Jordan. You looking? Why you looking around? I'm talking to you. I don't know why you keep looking around. Your brother's not here. I'm talking to you. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to Jordan Monroe. Okay. So I got something for you, Jordan. Just, just hang in there. We getting ready to pray, and I'll take care of you. Okay. All right, Jordan, my man. Amen. You good, brother Scarlett? All right, I won't get myself in any trouble. Well, well, I already, I already messed up Isaiah, and so, so I don't want to mess with anybody else. <laughs> I'm gonna get him saved. Don't worry. When he start eating oxtail, he'll be saved. Real oxtail. The other day, he, the other day he was coming in the back door and he looked kind of weak. I, I said, Isaiah, you know why you kind of weak? You're not eating no meat, bro. You gotta eat meat. He was kind of weak. I don't know what was happening. I said, dude, you look kind of weak. And, and then, Crystal, you know what's the problem too, Crystal? It's going to look like you're not doing your job, Crystal. I think you better feed him some real oxtail, Crystal. Because you don't want nobody looking at you saying, man, they married and the girl don't feed them. Because you know that's how they do. Y'all do wives really bad. Anything wrong with the man, y'all start crucifying the wife. She ain't doing her job. So, yeah, Crystal, give him some oxtail. Just let me know if you need some. I'll buy you some. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your word. We're grateful and we're thankful to be together again. For, Lord, we're looking for that great day when the trumpet will sound, Lord God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. And then we which are alive shall be caught up to meet them together in the air. And so shall we be with the Lord forever. Oh, God, we're looking forward to that great day when there will be no more pain and no more sorrow and no more tears. We're looking forward to that great day, Lord God, where we no longer, oh, God, have to worry about this old house. But, oh, God, we're asking tonight that while we're yet here, as you have, oh, God, allow us to be here and walk this earth, Lord God, that we will represent you. We will be the ambassadors you want us to be. And we will represent you like we've never represented you. Help us, O oh God, to grow up, Lord God, and mature and be the Christians that you've called us to be, Lord God. That we will live this life, Lord God. Oh, Lord Jesus, where we will attract the lost. The lost will look to us and wonder what is going on with us. And Lord, we will be quick to tell them it's the goodness of God. It's the love of
produce good fruit. Help us, Lord Jesus, to continue to grow, to continue to grow, to continue to mature, to continue to be, and, oh God, do what you call us to do. Lord Jesus, we are grateful. We're thankful, Lord God. We praise you for who you are. We thank you for being our God, for being our King, for being our Lord, oh God. Continue to reign supreme over us and do what you want to do. God, will you strengthen this church, this congregation, and help us to be mature that what you have for us, Lord God, we will be well able and equipped to go forward and do the will of God. Lord, there are lost souls all around us, Lord God. There are people hurting. There are people that don't know who you are. Lord, will you give us that opportunity to be salt and light before them and be a witness to them and love them, Lord God, and connect them to you, Lord God. Father, hear our cry tonight. We want to be, Lord God, the conduits, the instruments of God to go forward, Lord Jesus, in doing thy will. Oh, God, have your way tonight. There is none like you. Oh, God, let the word, the instructions of God grab a hold of us and begin to work in us. Bless your people tonight as we go to our respective place of dwelling tonight. Keep us. We thank you for keeping us, for watching over us, for those, Lord God, who have suffered loss and suffered hurt and pain and suffered, Lord God, through this hurricane and suffered through the tornado. Oh, God, I pray that you will comfort them and allow them to look to you, Lord God, as you guide and lead and provide for them, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness and your kindness, your mercy, your grace, and your love. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. We thank and praise you for all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Let's clap our hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody, open up your mouth and thank the Lord tonight and bless his name. The Lord is good, his mercy everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory, hallelujah. Glory, hallelujah. God bless you. You have a wonderful rest of your night. I love you, church. Thank you for being here tonight. Saturday morning, 8 a.m., prayer breakfast.